What's up, guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Football Outside the Box podcast, where we discuss the past, the present, and the future of football. Only one place to start for us. It's been a while since a happy me was, you know, introducing you guys to the new podcast episode. And on the other side, we have a slightly depressed Noah. Arsenal still in the driving seat. But that 3-0 loss hurts. It hurts. The ref sold the match. He 100% sold the match. I was shocked to see that Cedric call for the penalty. I've seen way worse and very, very equivalent challenges not get called at all. And in the red card, I will admit, holding was... I don't even want to say stupid. I just want to say almost an immature decision. He doesn't have to look to go in to put his body in on him like that. It's very unnecessary. But when you really look at the incident, everybody is saying, oh, he went in with his elbow. Was that his elbow? That really looked like his shoulder to me. And it did catch him in the face, but that's he still went in with his shoulder for me. And if I look at Jota's elbow against Everton he'd got nothing for that so for me the ref sold this one there was no way for us back in it after that red card but I will say that I wanted to see Arteta and I I look like he was calling for the team to squeeze them a bit after we went down three I don't know if it was the players not following what he was saying or if he wasn't motivating them to do that enough but by 3-0, we have to squeeze and press at that point. There's no use in trying to minimize the damage from Son and Kane. It's 3-0. The goal difference is already in their favor. We need a result. We need a point minimum. And we were trying to play damage limitation. We need to go for everything at that point. There's no reason for us to be sitting back like that. We had to press and put them under pressure. And we didn't do that when we went down 3 yeah, I mean, we look at the reverse fixture. Spurs did it against Arsenal. They were down 3-0 early on in the first half. They pushed and pushed and got the consolation goal late on. I know it doesn't matter, 3-1 consolation goal, but Arsenal had nothing in it today. And I, I messaged you during the game. I saw that it was Paul Tierney. I said, you do not give a game of this magnitude to Paul Tierney. And I hear you on the penalty. I The red card... I think it's a red card, but the penalty, very soft. I mean, I've seen it given. Of course, I've seen it given, but it, it's 99% of the time not given as a penalty. So you definitely have a right to be frustrated or maybe even cheated a little right there. But, I mean, I still think at 1-0, the game is still there to be won or even tied or drawn. And just I, not acceptable from holding. No, no need. Just no need. No need to give the referee a chance to mess you up there. That's it, really. That's where I look at it as well from Holding's perspective is there, it's just so unnecessary. Don't put yourself in that position. It's so unnecessary. But if I'm looking at the action itself, the actual incident, we can have different opinions on that. But the way I'm looking on it is I'm going to reference 
another incident that occurred recently, which is the Jota one against Coleman, which he doesn't get any punishment for at all. And all I'm asking for is consistency. If they want to give holding the red card for that, sure, do it. But when Jota does it the next week, I want them to have the same energy. And they're not doing it. And that is a frustrating part. I have no problem with the second goal we conceded as far as the ref was concerned. I have a problem with Arsenal's defense because we normally don't concede from set pieces, but we let Kane stray around the back post. Maybe I could ask, why is Eddie marking Kane? That could be a question I ask. Second, whoever was marking him, why is he, why is he allowed to roam like that? You know he's one of the most dangerous strikers probably in the world. And we allow that to happen is poor, is poor. So that's our fault. And Arsenal need to take full responsibility for that. But I am frustrated when the games get lost by the ref. It was completely changed. We were in it for the, before that, for the first 20 minutes. We were the ones pressing, actually. And then that turned it on its head. And it's a shame. I mean, I don't think it's all down to the referee. Like I said, at 1-0, you're still in it. But we do have to mention that Gabriel looking like a hamstring injury, which is usually at least two to three weeks. He's probably going to miss the rest of the season. Tomiyasu could run at center half, maybe. I think that's his, or that was his natural position growing up as a youth player. Any concerns on that front? Holding is sent off and he's suspended for Newcastle away. Well, to touch on the point right before that, I was listening to Arteta's post-match conference and he, he had said, if he says what he wants to about this game, he'll get suspended for six months. Which he's basically saying, he knows that this game was turned by the refs and he can't, he's not allowed to say it. Then he moved on to touch on to the, to the centre-back issue that we could potentially have that you're discussing right now. He said that he's look, he looks like he's going to try and appeal Holding's decision. I don't know if they're going to Never going to get overturned. That. Yeah, they probably won't overturn it, but worth a try at this point because right now we have Tommy Aswan Jaka playing centre-back, which is it's just crazy at the moment. Hopefully Ben White gets back properly, though. Because he was on the bench today, but they looked like they were cautious to bring him in. I guess he felt something while he was warming up. But that's a major concern at the moment. Going to these last two games, I'm I'm worried. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know if... I, I doubt Ben White plays on Sunday. I mean, on Monday. I mean, he he tried to come in, but he he never did. I mean, even when Gabriel got taken off, it was Nuno who came on. I I don't see how that quickly turns around in just three days' time or four days' time. Well, if he was fit for the bench, then I don't think that it's that serious at the moment. I think that today he didn't come out more for precautionary purposes, which is difficult to ask to bring on a defender coming back from injury in those circumstances when you're losing. Maybe if we were up, I think he would have been more called upon. And it was late in the game. 
But when you're losing and you need to get something back, it's a difficult ask, especially just coming back from injury. I think he makes it back for the Monday game just because he'll have had that time to recover. Well, let's see. Hope. It's a, that's hope right now at the moment. Maybe Jacques plays centre-back. Maybe El Nenny plays centre-back. It's crazy at the moment, though, what's happening. And this is the same thing that we were talking about, Arteta not getting the January transfers in. This is what it comes down to. Yeah, it's all speculations at this point, whether Ben White plays or not. Chambers looking like a good option right now. There you go. Yeah. And it's things like this that you have to ask questions about this. When it comes to deciding, is Arteta the guy? People say Arteta in, Arteta out, whatever, whatever. As of now, I, I'm sure you guys know, I am not here nor there on the matter, but I ask questions. And right now, if he's, if he's performing well, I give him credit for that. If he's lost, I have to ask questions. And these are the questions I'm asking. Why didn't you bring anybody in in January? We're low on numbers. Business end of the season. You've let out players. You have let out players. That's a very important thing. And he didn't bring anybody in for the sake of depth. And it could cost us. Yeah, I mean, it reeks of that 3-0 defeat at Palace. And the next game isn't that much easier. Newcastle away. They're going to give you a game. We'll just preview that game right now because we're really deep into Arsenal right now. But Newcastle, I know they're coming off of two losses in a row, but that was against the top two teams, Liverpool and the City. Newcastle are going to be looking at this Arsenal side and thinking, we can get a result here. You know, let's let's get our ship right. We've we're lost, we lost twice against the top teams, but a great opportunity Monday night, St James's Park under the lights. We know how. Bouncy that atmosphere can get. Could be a repeat of Crystal Palace again. Well, at the moment, from Arsenal's standpoint, I don't see where we're going to create chances. Right now, we're not creating much. Odegaard went quiet. And we could see a similar effect now against Newcastle. They're going to want to sit back. They're going to be very organized. They're going to block off the gaps. They're going to be difficult to break through. And that is something that we struggle against, especially this season. And I worry about that, especially with our lack of options at the moment. Even Martinelli, he came off, he looked like he was struggling. I hope he's going to be fit. I think he will be because there's no major news on that or anything. Nobody was mentioned much, but that's a worry. And to be honest, even the preview for the Tottenham game, I had said that he was the guy I'm going to be looking out for that I expect to do well. And to tell you the truth, out of anything that we created, which wasn't much, by the way, he was at the center of it. He wasn't getting the ball that much, though. There was one time Tommy Asu sent in a great ball for him. He pulled it back, tame effort. And then there was a second time he got it through Xhaka, another pullback, another tame effort. And you just wonder, where else are we going to get these chances from? It cannot just be Martinelli. It feels like when we had Alexis Sanchez, it was like he was trying to basically do everything. It was just like him and Ozil playing. It feels similar to that with Martinelli. And we can't be having that. 
Because as you said, especially against Newcastle right now, because we're going to focus on these last two games, Newcastle, as you say, is going to be very difficult to break down. And then they have threats on the counter. St. Maxime is going to be a dangerous player, especially if he's going up against Cedric. It's going to be danger. Yeah. They have, like you said, with St. Maxime, have great threat on the counter-attack. And I don't see how... Arsenal have a comfortable game here. I, I, I still think that Arsenal can win here just because of the fact that Newcastle have nothing to really fight for. And I think it's all down to how Arteta can regroup this team. We have to remember they are a young side. It looked like they, to me at least, they flustered under the pressure a little bit. I know you mentioned the first 20 minutes of this game against Tottenham. I think both teams looked cagey for me. I don't think it was a dominant or Arsenal pinning Tottenham back. Both sides look cagey. And I think Arteta needs to get that out of the system and the other players to just forget about this game and go at it strong again. They started very intensely again against Tottenham, pressing against, I think it was Sanchez in the early in the first half. They need to do that again against Newcastle. Don't let this 3-0 result detract you from what you've been doing this whole season. Because we've said this a lot of times, oh, the Aston Villa game is going to be a big test for Arsenal right before the international break. They didn't play well, but they got away with a 1-0 win. That will do at this stage of the season. Just win. And they really need to get this out of their heads, recover, regroup, and just win at Newcastle. Yeah, I think that'll be the challenge for Arteta now to really get the players on board and thinking positively to respond ahead of this one. And it's a major challenge. That's not going to be easy at all, especially for such a young group of players. You know, like I was looking at the lineup today and I was just thinking to myself, there was a moment where the commentator had said, Lloris, World Cup winner, World Cup winner with France. And I just thought, yeah, I was remembering how we had World Cup winners like Ozil back in the day and such. And I was just looking at our squad and realizing, I mean, I know how young we are. I know we're the youngest squad by starting 11 appearances on average in the Premier League. But it really hit me again today. And I thought, wow, there is not one really experienced player in this squad, or at least in the starting 11. Lacazette came on off the bench, you could say him. Or even holding, you could say. And he's the most immature on the field. Can you imagine? So I say that to say a lot of promise in the future for this squad on a whole. I think Champions League would be a major pin in the process to say, all right, cool, we've done this. Next step is on the way. But we have to get it over the line. And this is where Arteta's management comes in crucial. This is going to be a huge test for him. He's had his chance now. This is it. This is what it comes down to. And I worry because when I said that, I didn't see any experienced players on the field. I'm looking around the field and thinking, who is going to get the game and grab it by the scruff of the neck? And without that experience in there, knowing that that has to happen, everyone's going to be looking around. I know Saka said, he said earlier this, like maybe a week or two ago, he had said 
he used to watch Aubameyang be the star for the team and carry the team on many occasions. And he wants to do that now for Arsenal. That's great talk. And he has been doing it for a good portion of the season. But now it's crunch time. Step up. If you're going to be this guy, step up in this moment. And we all love soccer as Arsenal fans. I love soccer. I want to see him do well. I want to see him say that and actually deliver. But it ha- you have to deliver. It cannot just be talk. So step up. Let's get the top four, win the last two games, and seal the deal. Yeah, exactly. Arsenal need somebody. It does not be the whole team because we know at this stage, just a brilliant performance can get the results done. So they just need somebody to step up. Could it be Smith Rowe? Maybe, although it doesn't look likely. Most likely looks like Martinelli. We'll see. But I think we have to keep in our perspective that qualifying or coming in fourth will be a overachievement for Arsenal this season. Nobody expected Arsenal to be in this position. I know it's going to hurt if Arsenal do end up missing on the Champions League by a point or even goal difference. But I think you have to look at the future with how young the side is, how promising the squad looks, and the general improvement that Arteta has shown in his management this season. For sure, asking at the beginning of the season, I wouldn't have expected to be in this position. That That is true. And I don't think many Arsenal fans would have either. When it comes down to making it or not, yes, I will look at the future when it comes to our squad. When looking at the manager now, I want to not just look at what I thought at the beginning of the season. I want to look at everything situational. So he's been at the club for a few years now. He's had a few windows to be able to move and shift the team around how he would want. So I want to look at him as somebody responsible, whether we make it or we don't. And I want to also include that this is not an easy job, though. I do want to make that clear. So I know I said all of what I said about Arteta having his chance and he's had his time to manipulate the team how he wants. But this is not an easy job. This is probably one of, if not the hardest managerial position in England, to be honest, when you look at expectation and such. It's up there. It's not the hardest, but it's up there. I would so, say when you include transfer budget and and such, I, I that's what I would say. We can that can be another discussion. But even if it is, even if it sorry, even if it isn't, it's one of the hardest. It's tough, yeah. It's, it's tough. tough. It's tough. Score predictions for this game. <laughs> I'm I'm lost at this point. Arsenal could you could literally flip a coin. With Arsenal, you don't know what you're going to get from them. But I'm just going to have to say what I hope. I'm going to go with a 1-0. Keeping a clean sheet. 1-0 scrape. 
I'm going to say they stumble here. A one-all. I think it's going to be a struggle. I think so too. I think it is. It could go either way. It's just the fact that it's on a Monday night. If it's on a Sunday afternoon kickoff, the spotlight isn't on just them, like how it would be on a Monday night football. That's what makes it a little tougher for me to say Arsenal can win here because Newcastle are going to be up for it as well, even though they don't have much to fight for. Monday nights always seem to be the most pressure moments for us, it seems. But we did have actually a pretty good record when Aubameyang was informed for us on Monday night games. We had a run of like, I think it was like six or seven games on Monday nights that we won. Yeah, but he ain't there. <laughs> but he isn't there. So that makes the predictions a lot more difficult. Moving on to the Tottenham game. Tottenham do have an early kickoff on Sunday against Burnley at home. It would be so spursy of them to go just go on and lose to Burnley at home after such a spirit-lifting 3-0 thrashing over Arsenal. What, what do you think about this game? I'd have to agree with you. I think that is very spursy of them. But Tottenham tend to do well against Burnley. So I see them winning. If anything, they slip up the last day, if anything. Yeah, it, it's. I think Burnley have hit the spot i think when it's when it comes to you know you know the boost forget they get from sacking the manager tarkovsky got hurt last game against villa i don't know if he'll be back it doesn't look like it and that means they don't have a center half ben me is not even playing he's a manager tarkovsky's out going up against harry kane uh, it's gonna be a big miss and we don't even need to talk about the fullbacks i don't see how Burnley can contain the wingers. Connor Roberts, I think he's okay, but he's he doesn't really offer much going forward. Charlie Taylor, we don't even need to mention that much about him, whether it be Charlie Taylor or Eric Peters. Those two are just not up there in terms of quality. In the reverse fixture, Burnley ran away with the game, or I shouldn't say ran away. Burnley scraped a 1-0 win over Tottenham at Turf Moor. I don't see how Burnley win here, though. Yeah, same. I would say it's going to be Tottenham dominating the game. I think they're especially going to be, they're especially going to have their tails up after this match. It should be comfortable. But as you say, it would be spursy of them to go and lose this one. Well, I, I feel that early goal is key here. Same as the Arsenal game, but we saw Tottenham fans getting slightly frustrated in the beginning when Arsenal were pressing Tottenham and they couldn't get out of their own half. So, I don't know. If there is an early goal, I, I could see another same result as the Brighton game at home. But it's just that Burnley's defensive personnel look so shaky without their two top center halves. So, What are your score predictions for this one? I'll probably go with a 3-0 win for Tottenham. 
Okay, that sounds reasonable, to be honest with you. Any key players on either side, other than the obvious? I think they played with Jay Rodriguez and Vought Vekhorst up top against Aston Villa. They probably need to do the same uh, against the back three of Tottenham. Sanchez came in and, I mean, he didn't have much to do, right? I, I thought he felt a little shaky in, in the beginning of the game in terms of his passing, but I think, I mean, Sanchez is, he's a shaky defender. He's not, he doesn't give you confidence. I think that's one area for Burnley to attack. Same thing with Dyer and Ben Davies. They're not necessarily known for their aerial prowess. And Vout Berghorst is the tallest guy and the best header in, in the game, or at least in the league. I'll probably be watching out for them. I think they could cause some trouble in the Tottenham back line. And on Tottenham side, it's obvious. We know their starting lineup. That's what it's going to be. We'll briefly touch on the West Ham Man City game, where Man City, with a good result, could confirm their title on Tuesday. When Liverpool do take on Southampton, West Ham, uh, they've been knocked out of the Europa League semi-final. That's what they're going for this season, and they don't have anything anymore. But West Ham tend to turn up at home against the big teams, and they'll be fully rested for the first time in a in a while. You know, we have to remember they've been playing with midweek football for a good few weeks ever since the international break, and even going back before the international break. So I'm excited to see how this rejuvenated West Ham side look against Man City. But then also, I, I can't imagine how deflated their squad would be off of the, a gut-wrenching loss against Frankfurt. You know, they were, they were there. They're almost there. And to lose in the semifinal, it's going to be interesting to see how they respond back, at least in the league. I think West Ham have, they have weapons. I just don't think that they're going to be strong enough to match City right now. They have been absolutely dominant in their last two games, bouncing back from the semi-final disappointment. Exactly what we anticipated as well. Pep, anytime he loses in a disappointing fashion, he does not mess around. He will just come back flying straight away, and he's done it again. And I don't see them losing that momentum, especially coming this close to the title. Yeah, normally City wouldn't be playing this weekend. They're always in the FA Cup final. FA Cup finals this Saturday between Chelsea and Liverpool. This is the only trophy they have going for this season. And Liverpool are right behind them. City need a win. Jesus has been in form. I know he didn't play against Wolves this past Tuesday. Jesus, known to be a West Ham killer. He loves playing against West Ham. He scores hat tricks against West Ham. West Ham still, uh, they, they do get Craig Dawson back, but you know they're, they're not in good form. I know they thrash Norwich, but everybody thrashes Norwich. I, I can only see a City win here. Like you said, I don't see how the City let go or let it, let themselves slip in this game. Score predictions. 
Um, I'll probably go with a modest two, three nil, two, two nil. <laughs> modest three nil. <laughs> it's because City have thrashed West Ham five, six nil before, but that's not the same West Ham as before. So, but well, they're coming off the back of a four and a five. So, yeah, I think West Ham are gonna put up a bit more fight than Newcastle and Wolves did. Yeah. I could agree. I could agree. I think three is a fair call. Not to say that that's modest, though. <laughs> but yes, relative to City. Modest for City standards. Yeah, honestly. Um, yeah, I see City scoring a lot, being rampant, dominating the game. I just don't see West Ham getting that much of the ball, honestly. I see them sitting back, being organized and blocking up the gaps. I mean, they're pretty decent at that, but I think City are better at finding those gaps than West Ham are closing down those gaps. That's what it comes down to. Yeah, and I just think it's a matter of not being able to impose themselves on the game. Mm -hmm. Right. Lastly, we'll touch on the relegation games as well. Uh, Leeds and Everton... We touched on Burnley, who take on Tottenham. Leeds and Everton, it's going to be one of those three. And Leeds take on Brighton at home, while Everton take on Brentford at home. Leeds do get a head start uh, two and a half hours early against Brighton. Leeds have really shot themselves in their foot. Two red cards in in the last two games. You can't do that when you're fighting for your life in the Premier League. I know they were probably trying to win the tackle and win the ball, but it's so unnecessary. And you're you're putting yourself and your team in in such a deeper hole than than what they're already in right now. Going up against Chelsea and Arsenal with ten men, it's already tough playing against them with eleven men, let alone ten men. They need to sort themselves out in this game, Brighton. Coming off a 4-0 win over United. Brighton have been performing really well uh, lately. They've been getting the results as well. Mixed in with a 3-0 defeat to Man City, but it's Man City. It's, it's tough for Leeds to get a result here, I think, against an informed Brighton side. Yeah, I just don't see the plan for Leeds, I feel like they just kind of go out there and it's a Hail Mary type of tactic. It just seems like it's like a Ted Lasso situation with this, to be honest. If you guys haven't watched Ted Lasso, basically it's an American coming to England and he doesn't understand the tactics at all, but he's very good at the motivational side, pumping up his team and so forth. It seems like another one of those for me. It looks like he just has no clue what's going on. He's kind of like, all right, guys, let's get out there and let's do our best. That's not going to cut it here. Yeah, and we'll touch on Everton as well. They take on Brentford. I think the key for Everton is to not commit fouls because Everton are one of the dirtiest sides in the league, along with Leeds. They can't give away silly fouls. Combined with the fact that they can't defend, they're only going to make it harder for themselves if they commit unnecessary fouls and give away free kicks and let Christian Eriksen 
get on the ball and be able to whip in a dangerous cross. It's all good going in intense, but they need to not give away stupid fouls for me, at least. Yeah, I'd have to agree with that. It's all about the areas where you give them away because Brentford are very dangerous off the set piece. Not just from Christian Eriksen, but those attacking it coming in. Right. So I actually see that Everton are coming in recently with a bit more urgency and motivation to try and keep themselves up. So credit to them and credit to Lampard for helping to instill that. They do have the quality, we know that. But they're going up against a Brentford side that's going to be difficult to beat as well. I see Everton nicking it though. I think so too. I think Everton will be able to just about nick it. But I don't think I can say the same about Leeds. I think Leeds are in big trouble. Yeah, they look like they're in just complete shambles. Ailing is also going to be out for that game, and so is Daniel James. Not looking good for them. And Brighton, they got a lot to offer on that front as well, the attacking front. Welbeck, his experience is going to be very crucial. Caicedo is also a good player to watch. Yeah, I mean, you can go on, right, for Brighton, Kukurea, um, Trossard. Trossard has been very crucial for them yeah. recently too, actually. It's a great point. So, yeah, as far as we're concerned, what are you, you have any specific score predictions in these matches? or? Um, no, because these games tend to necessarily, or these games usually tend to be a little messy. I just, I don't know how the score is going to be, but I don't think Leeds win here. It's not going to be high scoring, I don't think. I'm going to go with 2-0 Brighton, and I'm going to go with 2-1 Everton. Yep, fair enough. Fair enough. Make sure you guys to tune into this weekend's Premier League games, see how much of our predictions come to fruition. And we will see you guys on Monday. Like, subscribe, leave your comments and review. You already know. And as always, our Facebook page, the link to it is in the description and the bio. So let us know your thoughts of this episode or this podcast in general on the Facebook page. Do it. Thank you very much. Thank you as always. And peace out. Peace out.